The second lesson is written in the 15th and 16th chapters of Romans. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even as he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. As we continue to be washed over and immersed in the good news of the gospel that we hear in Romans, uh, I invite us to continue to ask this question. Where is the power? Thomas Friedman wrote a book a few years ago in 2016 that uh, whose title I think should uh, feel good for us here in the land of Manana. It's Thank You for Being Late. He wrote there about the age of acceleration that we're living in. He wrote that, as I shared, before COVID, right? The age of acceleration. Do you feel? Do you feel it? Is he right? He goes on to write about this age of acceleration brings about a kind of dislocation, as he calls it, 
when the whole environment that we're living in is being altered so quickly that everyone starts to feel like they can't keep up. You ever feel that? You can't keep up? Be it the to-do lists, the schedule, the world around us, you just can't seem to keep up. You feel dislocated. Well, the world says to us, well, just keep up, just do it. I had to go through it, and so should you. After all, that's why after miserably being hazed as freshmen, seniors seem to always do the same thing a few years later, right? Hazing those freshmen. Or even though it seems as though we've read studies that show that doing 36 hours straight don't seem to really help medicine much. Doctors still do these long shifts, right? Because why? Well, I had to go through it. There are all kinds of ways that we continue to, well, if I had to go through it, you do too. But God speaking through the book of Romans. God says to us, his body, the body of Christ, you do it, you do it differently. You and I are called instead to live by his power and his grace. And we act with a whole different motivation because he holds us up. We might be dislocated, but he can keep what we cannot. He kept the law for us so that we can now by faith enjoy what we could not do and cannot do on our own. Martin Luther puts it like this. Isn't it wonderful that salvation comes to us from outside ourselves? Remember those important words that we heard at the beginning of the book of Romans. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then he'll go on to write in verse 17, for faith, by faith. This power that we have been given is lived by faith. We have, as we have learned and heard, we have a new goal, a new end, Christ. A sure and certain hope, a certain hope that we will be reminded of come Holy Week next week as we walk along that road with Jesus and remember that historic and historical reality. We're given a new standard, this new standard which now gets applied to how we live, faith. But though we keep, don't we? Sometimes you and I in the body of Christ, we keep feeling dislocated because we think we have to keep it up. We need to be reminded anew again even here at the end of Romans, that it's Christ who holds us up. Remember, he takes on the anathema, the, the rejection for us. Who does this? 
God does this. As we read in 15, chapter 15 today, we remind ourselves and hear again that Jesus didn't come pleasing himself. He sacrificed for us. And so as a community then, we live likewise in light of what he has already done for us, for the other. We, as one scholar put it, remain flexible on the things that are not essential gospel issues. We call those ideophoras and inflexible on the fundamental gospel of what Christ has done. The gospel invites us to live a new life, to live differently. And it's hard for us to do that because even as we experience here in chapter 15 of Romans, this conversation once again around food, around what had been once the way to seek holiness, to encounter and be faithful to God. And so those who are strong in faith in Romans 15 are those who know that they no longer have to hold that up. And so the, the Greeks actually probably have no trouble with this where the Jews do in chapter 15. Although, just to be equally picking on folks, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul picks on the opposite group. There he picks on the Greeks who are having trouble with those who are eating meat sacrificed to idols. He reminds us again that it is not these, these human traditions or even these things of old that hold us up, but Christ does. But lest we think that we are way past that kind of thing, uh, we, we ascribe maybe on a much lesser level, but we ascribe all kinds of, of, of value to different things about food as well. And whether or not someone's really doing what's right. When I was serving a church in Los Angeles, that phrase, let's do lunch, was not just a phrase, it was a lifestyle. And connecting with folks regularly happened over the lunch hour at a restaurant. Deep, important connections. Less regularly, like has happened elsewhere in the country that I've served, uh, did we have a meal at someone's home. More often, we were out together. I had an intern come and join our team and that was particularly difficult for him as he came from a different part of the country and he wondered, why aren't people accepting me? I I haven't been to anyone's home for dinner. No one's invited me over. It just feels like people are kind of cold and I happen to know that four or five times a week he'd been invited by different members out to lunch. In his mind, there was a right way to love that was... uh, really the way to be welcomed and this whole lunch business was just superficial, right? We do the same thing. We 
we evaluate which, maybe we're thinking to ourselves right now, which one of those is better? I know which one it is, right? Whether it's part of our culture or however dislocated he may have felt in that new situation or how dislocated you and I feel when uh, others don't fit into the categories that we think they should these categories that are not part of the fundamental part of the gospel, the gift of faith that we've heard uh, illustrated for us in Romans, the truth of God's word, but uh, other outside forces like our culture or maybe our politics or our families of origin or our economics or even our view on science or maybe your ability as opposed to someone else to keep up finish the paper, to accomplish the tasks. None of that saves us. And we're reminded anew again that Christ, Christ completes this good work. When you think about what he's done in, in reading verse 9 uh, in Romans 15, you'll uh, hear about who it is that completes the promise. One author put it like this, that Paul now argues that as the Messiah has come and achieved what the entire Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, has been moving toward, the scriptures can be read now as an open book. The, the story is no longer a messy story in search of an ending. Christ has completed this good work. Christ is the better Abraham Christ is the better Moses. Christ is the better David. Christ is the completion of God's work. And as we wrestle with some of those ideophora differences even within the church, and as we heard it in the first century, we experience it now, but we also experience it outside the church, right? For some of us, are absolutely sure that there are no absolutes. And we know what that is, right? Absolutely sure that there are no absolutes, and yet we know that Christ is the absolute truth. And we can see that in his historical movement as we'll walk with him next week. We can see that with those of us who are dislocated and can't seem to keep up that he has completed all that he has called us to be and now lives in us so that we can live for the other, not to keep up but to live in this new life and identity that he's won for us. When we march through these important days, it leads us, as we hear in this text, to hope. I like how William Barclay talked about it. He said, the Christian hope has seen everything and endured everything and still has not despaired because it believes in God. It's not hope in the human spirit, in human goodness, in human achievement, and us keeping up, it's hope in the power of God. 
That's the power of the gospel. For you. For you. We'll come to this table and hear that today. For you. And now, lived out differently, unlike the rest of the world, not shared just for ourselves. The church becomes the only institution that exists, as some have called it like this, for the other. Just as Jesus didn't please himself, we don't please one another. We serve others now because of this great gift. And it's all been located, not by me or you, but by Christ. So hear these words from Romans 1 and Romans 16 as a bookend. Just one more time. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. The one who is able is Christ. He is the one that gives us new life, who leads us to do it differently, who moves us from dislocation to be located in Christ, in Christ alone. This is new life. Amen.